and welcome once again to another episode of the Horizon Roundtable. I am Bob McDonald. You can find me on Twitter at Bob McDonald. And uh, my co-host Jimmy Lemke uh, should be joining us momentarily. And you can find him on Twitter at PantherU. And of course, you can follow the podcast on Twitter as well at HorizonRT. So for this episode, we are doing something um, a little different. We are actually we've actually invited members of uh, student media from across the Horizon League to join us, and I will go ahead and let them all introduce themselves um, and uh, who they, uh, which school and uh, which uh, which media outlet they represent. So uh, I'm going to start. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and start with Mark. Uh, yeah, my name is uh, Mark Weems. I am um, representing the Jam Bar at Youngstown State University. Uh, if you want to follow me on Twitter, I'm at Big Weems, W-E-E-M-S. Um, yeah, I'm excited to uh, talk about YSU and uh, hope they uh, don't win less than eight games this year. <laughs> All right. Uh, next up is uh, Tim. Tim. Hey guys, I'm Tim Daniel covering Northern Kentucky University. Um, actually, work not in studio media. I have an outlet called 48 Minutes. It's a uh, full college, full basketball podcast network, and actually work credential full time for NKU. So, I guess if you want to follow me. It's at Tim Daniel 518, and the show is at 48 Minutes Network. All right, great. All right, uh, Ryan. Hey, I'm Ryan Gregory. I'm with the Campus Citizen at IUPUI, and um, you can follow me on Twitter at Ryan underscore Gregory. And uh, excited to talk about my Jags. All right. And uh, last but not least, uh, Dakota. Hey, guys. I'm uh, in my second year at Oakland University. I wrote for the Oakland Post last year, a student newspaper. And then I took the position as sports director at a radio station, 88.3 WXOU. So I've been calling Oakland's men's basketball games play-by-play right on our station for about a year and a half now. And um, you can follow me on Twitter, at Breck Dakota. That's at B-R-E-C-H-T and then D-A-K-O-T-A, or follow our official sports uh, Twitter handle. That's at WXOU. Excited to be here. Great. Good. And thank you. Thank you all. Thank you very much for all, all of you joining us. I know as an ex-student journalist, this, you, you know, student, uh, student media has a special place in my heart. And so uh, I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to this as I, I know, um, you know, from, from my standpoint, that was kind of, you know, Kind of a formative experience for myself, even though uh, journalism was not uh, my eventual end uh, end profession. But you know, I got some time left in this earth, so you never know. <laughs> um, so um, I guess before we get started, I, I wanted to kind of ask you guys this question um, with regards to kind of your own personal experiences. So what what made you decide to get? What made you all decide to get into um, get into get into the media and get it. What, what was your specific interest and, in, you know, kind of what drew you, what has, since you've been involved, what has kind of drawn you uh, to your respective teams? Uh, I'll, I guess I'll go, uh, you know, I, obviously I'm born and raised in Youngstown. Um, I actually did. I didn't start off in journalism by no means. I meant to be a doctor. So that went real well for me. Um <laughs> But, uh, you know, I, I think I was, I'm sure just like the rest of you guys, you know, a love for sports is kind of just what pulled me in. And, um, you know, being able to watch a team that you grew up watching and now you get the report on them, I guess, was the main pool um, 
you know, I think being able to go watch, you know, Bo Pelini get really mad about things every weekend and then, you know, go watch the basketball teams and, and those kinds of things. P- teams that you grew up with, I think that's that's always a cool experience. Great. Uh, for me personally, it was more um, just looking to get my foot in the in the door when it came to journalism when I got to IEPUI and I ended up falling in love with the Jaguars. I mean, I just I love watching the way they play. Coach Gardner does a great job with his team, and I've I've really been fortunate to be able to cover IEPUI for the last three years. Okay, great. Oh, weirdly enough, I actually had NKU season tickets uh, till the second game of the year last year, and uh, I had been applying for credentials for a while. So finally, I got to know their SID, and they put me on there. And now, I mean, I've followed them now through that. I went to Louisville last year for their NIT game. So, yeah, it's been pretty cool. All right, great. Well, for myself, I grew up in a little little farm town where we didn't really have much of an opportunity to start with that stuff. And as a kid, I'd always, you know, call the games as I watched them. And, um, you know, stupid things like Madden games and out yard outside in the yard with my friends. Uh, and then when I got to Oakland, I started writing for the newspaper, and I found out that I was I wasn't too bad at it. And that was just because, as as a young kid, I consumed all that information from all these different websites. You know, reading so many sports articles. So we got going with that, and then uh, I got an opportunity to start calling games, and they liked what I did, and and uh, I've been calling play by play ever since. All right, great, great. All right, all right. So let, let's get down to the uh, let's kind of get down to the to the guts of it here. Um, we are we're finally in the regular season. We are, we're playing games that count now, um, and so far it's been kind of tough sledding for the Horizon League teams. Uh, although I should point out that uh, that both Northern Kentucky and IUPUI have have been the only schools who seem to have succeeded in beating Division One opponents. So uh, so we have that going. They have that going for them. Um, specifically, I wanted to talk a little bit, uh, but I did also want to talk about kind of. Um, the situation where, and, and the situation over in Oakland, where I I know in episodes past, we've talked about the, um, kind of the uncertainty of the the coming season. And so, um, last Friday they played, uh, they played Toledo and, you know, they, they lost by one. So, um, Dakota, what, what, what what is your, what was your takeaway from, from Friday night? Um, just kind of given the, uncertainty and kind of the I don't know that was going on prior to the season starting? Well, for not just myself and for the rest of the media at Oakland and for Coach Greg Campy, who's going into his 35th season, uh, it's been a year where he, coming into the season, he had no clue who was going to be his guy. He's always had that guy, you know, before it was Kay Fowler, last year it was Kendrick Nunn. He's always had that guy that he knew was going to come out and score at least 20 points a night for him and get him those points. So that was the main question going into the season Oakland lost over 80% of their scoring last year. Uh, Kendrick Nunn with 25.9 points a game. Jalen Hayes with 18.8. Martez Walker with 17.6. And Nick Daniels with 8.5. So when you lose that much scoring, um, obviously the question marks are going to be there. And for myself, the rest of the media members around Oakland, there was some real concern coming into the year. They started off their first exhibition game against Hillsdale, one by six. And Hillsdale's a formidable opponent. They only lost to Toledo by nine. Um... And then they came out against Kalamazoo College, again, a D3. Not a good team at all. The exhibition game you're supposed to win. But they won big. They won 99-45. to 45. They really put it to them. And then coming up against Toledo, the 14th-ranked mid-major in all of college basketball, a team that's supposed to be really, really good this year. And 
Oakland took him down to the wire. Down by eight points with less than two minutes left. Uh, true freshman, Kamari Newman. Excuse me. Transfer, Kamari Newman. He's a sophomore now, redshirt sophomore. Hit a big three with less than a minute left. And it came all the way down to a wire. If it wasn't for a missed free throw, they would have went to OT with a really good Toledo team. Okay. Um, Xavier Hill-Mays dropped 30 points for Oakland. That was huge. He looks like, so far, he's going to be the main guy for him. He's going to be their scorer. So a lot of the question marks were answered early on this season, uh-huh. and everything went right in that last game besides the loss. And yeah. Coach Campy was really, really excited after that. Okay. All right. Uh, Mark, you know I'm going to have to ask about Youngstown State, uh, especially after uh, Saturday against uh, Akron. Um, I thought that's, that final score was a typo. <laughs> Well, unfortunately, um, it was not. <laughs> yeah. So, so, and then that's that's on top of the uh, the loss to Pitt on Tuesday. So, um, I know it's early in the season, but you know, you're looking at the Youngstown State team that didn't win against the uh, Division One. As far as I remember, they didn't win against the Division One team last season, and now they're two games in, and they still haven't won any. Um, is, is there a Division One win in their future? Uh, I definitely think so. Um, you know, I think the big problem is, you know, as crazy as it sounds, there aren't a single player on this team that Jerry Slocum recruited or coached. And it's only been a year and a half. Um, and I think that was Jared Calhoun's reasoning. He didn't want any of Slocum's guys and, and nothing against Jerry Slocum, but Jerry Slocum played a very slow yes. half court. And, and Calhoun really wants to just get out and go, get out and go. I don't, I don't care if the shots fall, just go shoot as many as you want. And, and get out and go. And, and obviously against Akron, that didn't work. You know, you give up 98 points. I think that's what's going to be their Achilles heel again is just that we're very young. Um, you know, there aren't a lot of older guys on this team. We only have uh, three guys from last year that even played and only two starters. Um, and both of the starters are sophomores. So, um, yeah, their game against Akron, they just, they just got shellacked. I mean, there's no other – there's no other way to it. They played very well in the first half, you know, but it just came down to the fact that when their shots don't fall, they don't at this point have a plan to make up for that. They only they only know how to play when their shots are falling right now, and I guess that happens when you're when you're very young. So, um, so Tim, so Northern Kentucky is, uh, you know, they're 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 one of the fortunate few. They're one of the fortunate few teams that. Uh, did win, although, man, double overtime on Friday. That must have been an, that must have been something. Yeah, so those are games they lose. Uh, we've seen them in the past. I mean, if you look at last year, they had Memphis up by nine, and uh, going to the second half, they ended up losing that game. Uh, they went down to Texas A&M and played against a really good team that had Robert Williams and really had that ga- had that game in hands at times, lost by six. And then obviously the NIT last year against U of L. I mean, they're up three of the four quarters. And the fourth quarter, Ray Spalding and Dang Adele just kind of took over. So that's really reassuring. And John Brandon talked about that a lot as far as, um, you know, those were games they lost in the past where they'd be up big at half and they were kind of a, more of a first-half team than a second-half team. So he finally got that, you know, struggling. I mean, if you watch the game, about 40 seconds ago, they were down six. And they hit two threes to take it to overtime. And then they were down again in overtime. They made, and they forced a double overtime. But... They have a good mix of talent. The guys like Drew McDonald, obviously, are very well known for being very talented players to kind of lead them. But Jalen Tate's really taking a huge step forward for them, filling in for LeVon Holland. So, yeah, it was, a, it was a huge win for them. And I'm um, really excited to see the momentum they're starting with. And I, now, I know we are, we're, we record on Sunday, so obviously 
Um, so obviously we're going to miss this, uh, but, uh, you know, you're playing Wabash college tonight and, yeah. you know, and I think that should be a, I think you should check that up to the, uh, to a spot in the win column. Yeah. They're it's more a, really, it's a, real, it's a real clash of the Titans. <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're more getting ready for uh Friday. They're starting, they're playing um, a Thanksgiving tournament with, uh, they play UNC Asheville, coastal Carolina. And, um, I can't remember but another team has been in the tournament recently, but they're gonna be playing that all weekend. So. Manhattan, Manhattan, Manhattan. That's what it is. Thank you, thank you. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, that's a so yeah that that you know that's one of the uh, and then Jimmy, I yeah. know we've had this conversation about <clears throat> why 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 play the non division one teams, but you know we know as well as everybody else, you know those are those are prep. Uh, th- those are definitely to you know get ready no, for you, kind of the you should you should play non division one games because yeah you need to. I think that, I think Adam Sandler was in the was it the longest yard remake? Yep. When he was explaining, he was explaining, you know, he Play used Appalachian team. State, which was really funny because Appalachian State, I think like the previous year had just beaten Michigan, but it was like you yeah. play a team like Appalachian State and you kick the shit out of them. Yep. And that's exactly what you do. You play yeah. Wabash College and you hope to God you don't fumble it away and lose yeah. on a Sunday. So, and, and Ryan, yeah. of course, IUPUI did get uh, did get the win on Saturday against Eastern Illinois. So, um, so, so, you know, take a bow. Uh, you know, your team is one of only two that's actually won a Division One game so far. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I was I was pretty impressed with that as well as the Xavier loss. I think that we showed a lot of our depth in the loss to Xavier. I mean, we had a guy get ejected in the first half pretty early, Cameron Justice, who looks to be mm-hmm. like our our big uh, scorer, and then Jalen Minette steps up off the bench and drops 21 against a, a good Xavier team. And um, yeah, I've been impressed with both games. I mean, we look very guard heavy, and um, and we showed that. I mean, we've had guard score in the 20s both games. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, unfortunately, we don't have somebody from Wright State on because um, I had a because I have questions. <laughs> um, you know, Wednesday they you know go and wax uh, wax Western Carolina by uh, twenty three, and then Saturday, and I actually think this is kind of the for me this is kind of the bellwether where they play a Murray State team and they they drop it by nineteen. Is it? And we're talking about a a Wright State team that you know was can and I'm sure um, I'm sure Tim you can you know. There's been the argument between Northern Kentucky and uh, and Wright State on which is going to be you know kind of the early early season front runner for the uh, the tops in the conference. Um, what does that say that uh, that you know Wright State goes into Murray State and uh, kind of drops that decision by double digits? Nothing, in my honest opinion. Um, mm-hmm. As long as Wright State has Loudon Love, they're going to have a chance to win a lot of games. Yeah. That kid's really, really, really good. And I know losing Grant Benzinger was huge for them, but, um, you know, Love was a huge asset for what they were looking forward to. And you could tell that was kind of the future plan. So in regards to Northern, I mean, I don't really love Drew McDonald guarding him by any means, but they did bring in a, a, a Juco transfer named Silas Adhiki uh-huh. to kind of really kind of match him for size. Loud Love's really good with the ball in his hands. He's really good in the post. But uh, so as long, I think as long as he's on right state, they're going to have a chance to win a lot of games. Okay. Uh, yeah. uh, so, so Jimmy, Jimmy, yes, what, what, what's going on with what's going on with Milwaukee? Uh, I saw you lamenting the other day, yesterday, about uh, about about North Dakota beating them. Yeah, they're not. They're not. It turns out they're not very good at basketball. 
Um, yeah, they're rough. Oh, uh, Jesus. There, there's, there's bright spots. Um, Darius Roy seems to be a legit, you know, all-conference level point, you know, point guard, shooting guard, you know, like – he seems to be at the level where he can play with the ball or off the ball and do very well. At the same time, I saw a kid from North Dakota who looked like he got his scholarship from the Make-A-Wish Foundation <laughs> bl- blow past Darius on a couple drives. Oh, Jesus. Um, there was a guy who looked like he drove, the guy from North Dakota who looked like he drove to the game in a windowless van, and I think he scored like 16 <laughs> points on him. He had just like the the shittiest mustache, and he's, he's just like this, just like this. It was like if I, uh, yeah, he he looked like the worst weed dealer you've ever oh, met. I'm kidding. I'm totally kidding. They were their North Dakota was not a good basketball team, and they were just they were ripping Milwaukee for most of the first half, and it wasn't because they were playing particularly well. They were shooting like 35 percent from the field in the first half. I don't have the exact number in front of me, but they were they were not doing great. It was just that Milwaukee was so terrible. Um, there was they started one for 11 from the field, and then uh, my friend Ken Peterson sitting next to me, remarked that uh, Milwaukee in its previous, like, in its previous, like, uh, half and change of basketball, it was, like, uh, 5 of 45 from the field or something like that. Wow. And and you could you could tell there's no there's no toughness on the team. Um, There's a kid named Vance Johnson who was a who was a Val Jordan recruit who looked like he could have been something good and then never got to play for Val Jordan because Val left. Yep. And he, um, he's just, he was playing very soft. Um, I, I really wanted to see him throw an elbow, but like you have these like, just these just doughy kids from the other team that either, that either looked like they spent as much time at the buffet as I did. Wow. Or uh, either that, or they looked like they were like, they just, they, or they were just like hungry. Like, like it, it was very certain that like two of the kids on the team ate all of the food that was meant for the entire team. Wow. And like they just, they were not ready to like, this is the North Dakota team that any Horizon League team seven years ago would have run out the gym. Like Youngstown State of 2011 would have pasted this North Dakota team by 40 points. Wow. And they were winning by a lot. And Milwaukee came back because of they, they started shooting well and they started getting some open looks at three because North Dakota wasn't good on defense the entire time except they started making shots. So there was a point where Carson Warren knew some. Uh, I call him the law firm. He hit four three-pointers in a row. Um Darius Roy was doing well. Uh, North Dakota, which was not playing tough, was all of a sudden like playing completely off. Like all of a sudden, every player with one foul in with five minutes left in the second half was worried they were going to fall off. So they oh, were going to like they were all they were all playing off. So so Vance Johnson and Bobby Arthur Williams all started started to get some inside looks and. You know, Milwaukee started to come back and they actually almost won the game almost by like accident. 
<laughs> they came back from like down like 15 points to like come back and almost win the game and they ended up you know missing it out at the end and that's okay like you can't you can't always you know you're not always going to win the game like you, you're gonna lose some games and Milwaukee's going to lose a lot of games but the fact of the matter is is that it's it's a long season but when with Milwaukee, at least they can take solace in the fact that they're playing in the Horizon League this season. So, so let me let me let me ask with with that, and we're not talking about Cleveland State. They can't since they didn't hit their free throws. That's why they lost on Saturday. So that's yeah. But and uh, and that and the fact that only apparently Tyree Appleby and Jalen Hill wanted to you know score in the second half. That's the reason they lost. Um, but they lost by four. I'm not really. I'm not going to freak out too much about it, but maybe I should. Um, is it too uh, – speaking of which, maybe – I guess I'll bring this question to, out to all of you. Um, I know we're only two games in. Is it too early to freak <coughs> out about the Horizon League? Yes and no. I, mean, I don't know. You know, a lot of Horizon League teams can be very flighty. Uh, you could you could win two games real early and think you're going to win – a lot of games. Why she's done that before, and then you win twelve. Um, so yeah, maybe a little early, to be honest. Okay. Yeah, I'd say yeah. we need to pump the brakes a little bit on uh, on giving up on the Horizon League already. I, I think we're doing just fine. I mean, coming from the IPY stance, of course, but these well, are yeah, you guys games. won a Division One game. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but but to be fair, I mean. These are these are all tune ups. I mean, we're just we're just waiting for the conference season. Yeah, yeah. I wouldn't freak out too much for the Horizon League in general. Um, I know for Oakland, we trying to schedule a lot of heavyweighted non conference games early. Uh, that's just always been what we've done. And then going to the Horizon League play, I wouldn't freak out too much too early in the season to tell. But I would say some signs are pointing to a bad Horizon League this year. But I guess we'll have to wait and find out. I don't know if I'm just like, I don't know if just the the amount of time that I've been around the conference has turned me into just this chain-smoking pessimist. <laughs> but I've seen where I the wasn't aware you smoke, Jimmy. Been. I don't. I don't actually smoke anything. <laughs> I um. But I'm. I'm. I'm gonna say this straight out, like. It's it's real hard to be positive about a lot of things in the conference. Like there's there there are really good players. I don't see a team like and I, I've watched a couple games. I like Oakland. I think Wright State's not going to be as as bad as some people might expect them to drop off to. But like this conference is not as good as it was two years ago. It's there's got there's got to be a turnaround, and this and the the good thing that you can take of there's an opportunity. So for those guys that are IUPUI, you know, hey, look, we there's there's an opportunity for us to be good. We can all of a sudden take a take a place in a conference and maybe use it as a springboard, because as soon as a team gets really good in the conference. We say goodbye to them and they move on to a different conference. Yeah, it's just a. Um, but it, it, Milwaukee's going to be fine. Uh, Horizon is going to be fine. It's just going to take time. Um, everything, everything in basketball, in college basketball, is cyclical. 
Um, unless you're a, a program like Kentucky where you can just go buy every player that you need for in any given year. Yeah, it worked real well for them against Duke, by the way. You're going to have upperclassmen. You're going to have lowerclassmen. You're going to have... You know, you're going to have coaches come in, coaches leave. There's a lot of things that have to, you know, work, and it's about making an infrastructure. And across the conference, we all, we all live in pretty decent recruiting. You know, we're we're all living pretty decent recruiting beds. So there's there's always going to be a place for us to find, you know, good talent if we need it in our backyards. I know in Milwaukee we're getting even we're getting better. It's getting better every year. you know, a guy like Kevin Looney, who's playing for the Warriors right now, wasn't ever close to being the best guy for that team. Like, it's, uh, he was never close to being the best guy in Milwaukee for high school. So, you know, we will, you know, we will get better. The Horizon League will get better. As, as of the moment, I'm not seeing a team that is really – ready to you know go to a postseason and i don't see a conference that's really ready to make that move back into the teens i, I suppose i could say rpi but now it's what do they call the new one the net the net um and we're, we're gonna see how how it falls maybe maybe the rpi has been so rough against the mid-majors that maybe we're gonna start getting some better ratings or something and maybe maybe we're not as bad as we thought but I watched. I I was I was just I was at a game uh, last night of a team picked near the bottom of the Horizon League and a team picked near the bottom of the Summit League, and the level of basketball was about what you'd expect from that game. There was not a lot of actual set offense. There was a lot of there were just dead. I I I couldn't believe kids couldn't set screens. And play off of screens. Uh, it was it was incredible. I've watched high school, ba- I've watched middle school basketball in the last couple of years, where kids understand screening better than the guys did last night. Um, and there's a there's a real lack of toughness. That I just I, one of the guys one of the guys behind me said, you know, I I, I never thought I'd wish for the days of JJ Panaski for toughness in the post and. I mean, JJ was a good basketball player, but he was never like a tough bat. He was never a tough inside presence. So, I think it says something when, when guys who would get panned by fans for years would turn around and be missed for the things that they were panned for. That's just that's just that's just where I'm at. And th- you know, thing you know, things are rosier in other places around the conference. It's just maybe Milwaukee being in Milwaukee is just not. Milwaukee's not very fun at the moment. So, from my standpoint, I think, for me, I think you know, two games is way too, too to me. Two games is way too early. Um, just from the from the standpoint, it's you know, you're, you're just starting in the season. You know, you're just shaking the rust off, and you know, apparently, you know, apparently, you have to shake the rust off of free throws. Apparently, wasn't aware of that. Um, I, I think the big tests are going to come. I think really as we as these as the teams start getting into these exempt tournaments. Um, you know, good example. Obviously, Northern Kentucky is uh, 
you know, they've got that, they've got their tournament going on. Um, Cleveland state is going to be jumping into the Buckeye basketball classic with, with all the teams that are going to be playing that culminates into uh, the game against Ohio state. Um, so I think within the coming weeks will be more of a gauge of where the horizon league at is at, as opposed to the first two games of the season. Is it sucky that only two teams in the Horizon League beat Division One teams? Yes, of course it is. But is it an indication of the overall direction of the league as the conference as a whole? I don't necessarily think so. It's too um, early for that. It's way, it's too, way early. too early. For that. It's way too early. The sample size is way too small. Yeah. So I'm. I'm. I as as Gary Waters for so many years said, judge. Judge not and uh, judge don't judge early. Judge later, I guess. So uh, I'm 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 gonna stick with that. And you know, of course, th- that there was a guy the last two seasons didn't you know? Apparently, the judgment was already in, and that's why he's not there anymore. Um, <laughs> so um, I, I'm glad you brought the whole thing about the RPI and the net up, and and you know, obviously the transition from the RPI to the net. And I wanted to actually bring this to bring this to the to the panel here um kind of you know how familiar are you guys with this this new rating system the net uh that's been instituted by the ncaa anybody want to jump in there yeah because we've t- we've talked about it in uh, episodes past i'm still kind of fuzzy on it I mean, honestly um i know it's supposed to give more it's supposed to give more of a more of a weight to games that you win uh, that are true road games. Um, so obviously, uh, if you're going to be, it, it's 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 meant to get teams to play true road games. Stop playing these nothing. Stop playing their toughest non-conference games in like neutral site tournaments. Start actually going to other teams' buildings. I don't know if it's going to work because. Frankly, the biggest problem that we have as mid-majors in the the mid-majority, if we want to, you know, take that as our name still, the the big problem that we have here is that we we have ga- we have seasons where we just don't play enough tough games. So a team like Seton Hall, that may be like an average team. Will get so many strong road games that you know they'll they'll win a couple and it will just blow up their their net rating, and then all of a sudden it'll look like they're a much stronger team than they are, even if they go like say two and seven against teams that are in the top one hundred of the net, and that just comes from the fact that they because they play each other so much, they're automatically you know given the they're automatically given uh, too much too much weight. It's it's it's. I don't think there's a way to fix what that ails. It there's only a way through action. The mid majors have to take it upon themselves to massage that new rate, you know, the new rating system to work in their favor. And that means that means exactly what it was going to mean for the RPI. It means get yourself better wins. So you have to get better true road wins. So you need to have teams. You have to have non-conference games that are against good teams that are going to, you know, challenge your team. You might lose them. It might hurt you. It might help you. But 
you can't like you can't just play your conference, win a, win a couple big games in the non-conference, and then win your conference and expect to get that you know the that uh, that at large bid in the NCAA tournament. It's just not going to happen. You can't. You have to. You have to challenge your team. So, I mean, from a Horizon League standpoint, has has the have Horizon League teams as a whole done enough on the on the non conference front? I mean, that's I guess that's kind of what I'm driving it down to. What have have they from a scheduling standpoint? Has the Horizon have have Horizon League teams done enough to? Uh, and it might not benefit them this year, but down the road, have have they done enough to be able to kind of attempt uh, make it at least a gallant effort to offset, uh, you know, the issues that they you know specifically on the in the from the uh, computer ranking standpoint, be it the RPI, be it the net, have they done enough to kind of kind of address that issue? Uh, possibly. I mean, you look at this week alone. So Green Bay plays at Iowa. You know, Detroit plays at Butler. Um, you know, you see, like, uh, IUPUI, you know, playing at Boston College. Who Maybe Boston College isn't, like, the biggest team in the world by any means, but still. Toledo at Wright, Toledo is going to Wright State. I don't know. We made Boston College look pretty great. <laughs> they were in the game for a minute, though. Yeah, we were winning by, like, 12 at halftime. Yeah. Milwaukee goes to UC this, I mean, next week. NKU goes to UC. Uh, so, I mean, University of Cincinnati, that is, so... I think that the Horizon's doing a good job of scheduling major conferences. I just I don't mean as much as they can with their conference schedule. This is the problem. This is the problem. The home team wins in college basketball seventy two percent of the time. That's more than in any sport at any of the major levels, a pro or college. So when you're when you're playing those games, you're going to get the home team winning more often than not. And the reason for that is because you have strong high major teams are hosting a lot of low majors. They're hosting some mid majors, and it's hard to win games on the road. Period. The pro the, the problem isn't those games. Um, you know, schools like Gonzaga, like Butler, who were mid majors that you know kind of have transcended that level and moved up, have made the move to. Being made those moves because they were willing to play anywhere at any time, and that 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 is something that you have to be able to do to win to win that way. You have to be really, 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 really good at basketball. So not every team is going to be there ever, and especially they're not going to be there every year. So you have to figure out a way to build up the whole group. And the way you do that is you start to eliminate the terrible games. Um, instead of playing St. Francis of Pennsylvania every other year, Youngstown State should replace that game with, you know, another Wabash game. So you're not screwing up that net rating by playing a team that's going to be sub 300 in the in the well, well, what used to be the RPI. You don't want to. You want you need to eliminate bad games. You need to get up good games. So what that's going to mean is that that means that we have to work with other conferences, and we have to be willing to travel and play in other difficult gyms, and those teams have to be able to do it. If I were to change the net before it really goes into effect and does things, I would give schools a. I would give schools a major boost for non-conference home games or you know t- taking non-conference 
home games against very good teams. So you have, you know, yes, a Kentucky hosting a Duke will help Kentucky, but you can also make sure that like a school that might be top 100, you know, whoever's top in like the Summit League or the Horizon League at any given year, if they get a, a, a true home game against a team like Cincinnati, you reward both of those teams. Cincinnati for willing to go to Northern Kentucky. That would be, you know, that will help. That should help them. That should help Northern Kentucky. You need to incentivize it for these big schools to go play at the smaller schools because that's going to build attendance and that's going to build interest. And that's in the NCAA's favor, whether or not that actually shows the strength of the, the programs. You know, that, that, whether or not that strengthens the actual basketball itself, I, I would argue it does in the long run, but you want those teams to be going out of their comfort zone. And, and for, but for the Horizon League, it's going to be about making deals with the MAC, making deals with the Summit, you know, begging the MVC for a deal. Put it together where you, you do what these challenges are, but you do them on a larger scale and you do them with your where you're putting your best teams up against the best teams of all these other conferences and eliminating the, the games where an Oakland might host a terrible team and have that ruin their RPI or their net rating. You don't want those things. You need to, you need to get better with it. So there's a, lot, there's a lot of things they can do, but really you just got to play better games and you got to win them. Jimmy, I'm glad you brought. I'm I'm actually glad you brought up the the MAC and the uh, you know the, the the conference versus conference kind of thing because we've talked about this in 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 episodes past where you have a situation and it's it's we keep mentioning it and if you look at even the last first couple of games you see you see Horizon League MAC Horizon League Summit League it, is it and I I, I you know. I pose the question to all of you: um, it, Are we getting to a point where we should be, where it, this should have already happened, where we should be talking to these other conferences about the these challenge games, you know, these challenge games similar to what the Big Ten ACC has, if for sure, no other reason might, to might, kind of might be too late. Uh, well, the, too late for this year, or too late permanently. Yeah, too late. Too late. Permanently. I mean, the Horizon League has locked itself into this spot where it's going to be a, you know, twenty-five to twenty-eight ranked league. How is it going to convince a summit ranked eighteen that we need to, you know, help each other out by playing a conference challenge? If I'm the Summit League, it looks to me like playing a, a challenge against the Horizon League is going to do nothing but hurt it. The Horizon League has to have a couple good years before it's going to really be able to convince those conferences that this is in their best interest. So well, but somebody have, rise up and do better. But on the flip side is they're already playing all these teams anyway. I mean, they really sure. are. I mean, you already you already have Horizon League teams playing Summit League teams. You already have Horizon League teams playing MAC teams. What's the difference between that and now? Well, you need to have the good Horizon League teams play the good MAC teams. You don't need the you don't need it to be decided by geography and who calls who, who has a relationship with who. You need it to be decided by who is able who who is one of the better teams this year. They need to be playing the better teams this year because 
it's not going to help. You know, I don't even know who's the strongest Mac programs right now, but it's not going to help any of them to play us. You know, we should right now a challenge should be us against whoever's the crappiest team in the Mac, and then put whoever's at, whoever's up the up top of the Horizon League, Oakland or Wright State, Northern Kentucky. They need to be playing these MAC teams that are at the top. They need to be playing the MVC teams that are at the top because it'll help them to have less bad games on their rating. And the more good games they play, the better their rating is, which helps the other team. It's how the it's how the high major conferences end up with those gigantic ratings. It's because they have that. You know, it's because they are able to. Um, yeah, you know, they, they they get these big great ratings because they're able to play twenty games against you know in their own echo chamber and just helping their their rating over and over and over again. So this is the this is the downside with where you know the horizon league is at is we need to be able to you know limit the bad games and because we're the conference that has ten teams and we play a full round robin. That means every team in the conference is going to play Milwaukee twice. So I'm sorry for your net, but you're going to play us twice. Hopefully not three times if you get, if you end up, well, if you end up drawing us in the conference tournament, if we even make the conference tournament. Um, <laughs> so so what is that? That actually is one. The this is kind of the last question I wanted to pose to the pose to the group here, uh, with regards to the new tournament format. This 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 one through eight tournament uh, format where teams nine and ten are are not even going to be invited to the tournament is, and obviously it's a departure from what the Horizon League has done in the past. So what are you what are you all kind of what is your what is your all assessment? Because I know Jimmy and I have talked about this multiple times but in fact dedicated an entire episode to this but what do you guys where do you guys come out on the new tournament format well if i can jump in real quick on the new tournament format i think personally to host a a playoff game a postseason game in your own arena is going to be great and then the fact that there's still going to be enough games going on at little Caesars arena um probably the rest of the student media i don't know if you guys got a chance to go uh, up to lca last year but from Oakland is about 35 minutes down the road. That arena, even though we're not filling it up, is still one of the nicest in the world. So having that opportunity to still play enough games there is great. And then just I think the aspect of being able to host your own playoff game or being, you know, the early rounds, I think that's a great, great format. We used to be able to host our own playoff games. That used to be part of the deal. And then coming back, yeah. Yeah. I mean, how would the how would the conference championship game be in the arena? Oh, the conference championship game? The, I don't yeah. think they would be able to fit everyone in there. Um, yeah, even, on ESPN, you'd have people hanging from the rafters. It would look so <laughs> damn cool on national television. <laughs> Instead, people are going to get a view of 12,000 empty seats. <laughs> well, that would be pretty cool. Again, the, the atmosphere at the arena, just from the home opener against Toledo, they had the largest attendance for any home opener in Oakland's history. Um, so the atmosphere well there is, is great. Well, just from cool that community cares about your team. Yes, that's true, Mark. <laughs> the Jumpstown could not care less. I would love if people showed up, but it doesn't happen. Anyway, go, go ahead. No, no, you're. I, I'm with you there. Okay, <laughs> I will say this. I'll say this about. I'll say this about Youngstown, man. They filled it up against games with Butler. They've put 6,000 in the Bigley Center before. Oh, yeah. Well, that has happened. 
because we knew we were going to get padlocked into a tight room. <laughs> the, only, the last time I really remember was probably, um, boy, when was that? Um, Damian Urgel, when Damian Urgel was a penguin. Holy and they cow. Beat, and they beat Cleveland State in Cleveland on New Year's Eve, and then people packed the house, and then like Cleveland State beat us by like 42. Uh, yeah, I remember that game. And then no one has showed up since. I think it was a, that was a, what I think it was like 2015. I think it was the last time Cleveland State yeah, was any good. I think yeah, 2014, 2015, and like then no one shows up since. That's that's actually one of the games that we play as as media is the um, we count the attendance in the crowd and then compare it to what the paperwork says at the end, and and we all just laugh about it. Ah. If it'll say three thousand and there was four hundred and twelve people in the stands. Ah, attendance secrets revealed. <laughs> It's this is right. this is this is a problem with college basketball it is. is that it's becoming harder and harder to fill seats and that's obviously going to be felt the most at the places that don't put as many people in the stands to begin with which is like Youngstown State or Milwaukee which we actually had a pretty decent crowd last night I think we had about 3 grand or so in the arena they called it homecoming so they got they got probably about 900 students out for it it was pretty pretty solid um, but over overall, college basketball attendance is down. So you need to be doing a few. Th- you need to be looking at the trends of college basketball versus everything. I mean, having it on television, being able to get pretty much every game on TV or on streaming in some way, shape, or form makes it less pressing for fans to be have to go down to the games. So I, in Milwaukee, we've got fans on Waukesha who still watch every game, but they don't they don't play you know they don't go to every game because they don't need to go to every game. Um, I, the urgency is less there for me to go to every game because I don't need to be there for everything. I can get I can get it on my computer while I'm at work. I don't need to leave you know I don't need to leave work. I can throw it up on the computer while I'm waiting for somebody to come in or waiting for somebody who's in the business office to get done with one of my customers to get done. So it's a it's it's less of a need to to you know change things around and go out to the game. So th- this Horizon League that has had a lot of schools that have never been able to fill their arenas or even come close that has just kind of been extrapolated by this drop in college basketball attendance overall. So when we're coming to where do we what do we want to do with the conference tournament? Oh yeah, that's right. Let's 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 just keep acting as Olympia's, you know, Olympia's practice showcase so that they can show the Big 10 that they should have the tournament there. And then and then we'll just you hey, It's going to work for them, I think. Yeah. It's going to work. They're going to get the Big 10 tournament. And, uh, you know, good for them. But at the same time, 18,000 seats and 13,000 of them are going to be empty for the championship game, and it's going to look like absolute trash. You could put Oakland versus Detroit in the in the Horizon League championship game, and they would not come close to filling that gym. I would, I would be willing to bet all the money in my pockets on that. It is, it is not – we're not in a place as a, as a conference that can do it. There's this – idea that you're going to put the con- the tournament in the same spot every year is ridiculous. This idea that you're going to drop off the two bottom teams. The 9 and 10 teams have been in the semifinals and the finals every year in Detroit. Yep. And is that because the conference tournament format sucks? 
Yes, it is. But you don't fix it by limiting the nine and 10 teams from it. And that's not coming from a, a guy who's biased because his team's probably going to be one of the nine or 10 teams. That's coming from a guy who knows what it was like earlier when John LeCrone had put together the best tournament format in, in, in the, for, for mid-majors ever that led to the most amount of NCAA tournament victories from from any conference outside of the top eight, which would be the you know the the Power Six and like the A ten and uh, the Mountain West, you know the Horizon League won more conference uh, NCAA tournament games than all those. And by the way, that place doesn't change when you take out Butler's two Final Fours. The Horizon League was a very good conference that put its best teams in their NCAA tournament. And now it doesn't do that. And why doesn't it do that? It's because of the stupid, stupid format that we knew was dead on arrival and it didn't change anything because why an athletic director needs another 20 grand in their, in their coffers at the end of the year. So let's do that instead of playing a home game and maybe selling the, selling that money and tickets for a home game on a Tuesday and then going and winning a tournament or putting the best team in the tournament and then getting some NCAA tournament units that will actually put real money in our coffers for five or six years. The the whole thing is screwed. It's so bad. And to put it in those gyms, just terrible. Green Bay, Wright State, Cle- I'm sure Cleveland State, I'm sure, no- I'm sure Northern Kentucky. I would love to see Northern Kentucky host an, a, a Horizon League championship game on ESPN on a Tuesday night in the BB&T arena. You tell me right now that would not be a killer atmosphere. That would be, be incredible. Insane. It would be oh. incredible. And all of you guys, like, I, I, I'm, I'm, I don't know if, if any of you have been around. You know, Bob's been around twice as long as I have. And I Gee. can tell you that right now, since I've, I've been around since 2005. And I, I can I can tell you right now that for for from where I've been with my experience, the old tournament format was was what made the Horizon League special. And we maybe didn't keep you know maybe we would have lost schools like Valpo uh, we maybe we lost Valpo anyways, but doing what we did to the a conference tournament format just sped up that process. It made sure that Valpo left earlier, which ended up having us to get IUPUI. Prove, prove, prove IUPUI gets better. That's good. I'm, I really hope IUPUI does well. That'll be great. I think that in a conference tournament in championship game in the Farmers Coliseum could get packed. That would be fantastic. But you're never going to get IUPUI. Say IUPUI come, becomes like the two seed in the conference tournament. They're never going to get 8,000 people to go show up in Detroit. Absolutely not. No. They're not going to do it. Milwaukee's we, we, we were in the conference championship game a couple years ago. We couldn't do it. Northern Kentucky couldn't do it. And Northern, it was Northern State Kentucky's first time. It. They couldn't. Year, State didn't, didn't do it. Yes. No, nobody could do it. And this is and because why? People in and they didn't do it. We so. bust people in too. And the reason, the reason we weren't getting it was because it was it was short notice, and you had basically two road games. Mm-hmm. So, all right. Well, with that, and hate to get on a down note, but with that, uh, we're going to go ahead and close out this episode, um, gentlemen. 
Uh, it was a pleasure speaking with all of you. I'm very happy that uh, we had all of you on today. That was uh, uh, it's a good conversation, and uh, you know we're happy. We're we are happy to have had you. Thanks for, Thanks for having us. Thank you very much. All right. And of course, uh, you can find episodes of the Horizon Roundtable on sportsx.com, hax.com, and of course, wherever you can find podcasts and you know your Amazon Echo and Google Home devices. And uh, of course, now you can find us on Spotify too. So uh, we, we will go ahead and see you next episode. Thank you for listening.